and welcome to another edition of Hunter Gatherers, the podcast of Hunter S. Thompson Stories, broadcasting from our studios on Historic Magazine Street in New Orleans. I am Christopher Tidmore, and joined by the host of this program, I believe on the beautiful shores of Maine in the summer day, is Curtis Robinson. Curtis, how are you doing today? I, I am doing fine. Of course, very, very sad. It's a sad day in, uh, in the land of Gonzo because... Of course, this this will be the Bob Broaddus memorial episode. Uh, Sheriff Broaddus, as we speak, uh, you know, a somewhat glorious Tuesday, frankly, yeah. uh, passed away last Friday at seventy seven years old. I understand he died at in the wee hours, and uh, there's a rumor that he had uh, just watched Game One of the Boston Celtics playoff in the NBA Finals. If so, good, because so you, that was you, the comeback game. You spiritually melded with him watching that same game, because I know you never oh, miss Oh, yes, I did. I did. It was, uh, for Celtics fans, it was a, a great fourth quarter comeback game, seven three-pointers in a row. And then, uh, I, I guess as a sports fan, I can say, and I knew Bob well enough to say that I'm just glad he didn't see game two. <laughs> Well, this is the most famous sheriff. Bob was the most famous sheriff in the Gonzoverse. So, but for those that may not know who we're talking about, give us a little plot exposition and how he came yeah, into his uh, life. Bob Broaddus uh, was a cultural icon or became a cultural icon because of his time. Uh, people, I mean, he would pop up all over the place. You know, people who watch uh, that, that crazy TV show, Reno 911. They would they would mention Bob Broaddus all the time. He came to Aspen as a ski bum, in uh, and then as so many do. Well, he did. He did. He's a he's from uh, Boston. He's from South Boston. No, I mean that literally. I, I, the number of prominent Aspenites I have met who basically came to 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 ski and just kind of stayed there and and created a life for him is, is astonishing. Yeah, it was a very it. sticky place. And in those days, particularly, it was a it was a place you could kind of claw out a niche. You know, you could ski bum for a couple of years. There was always a job. And uh, uh, Bob went into uh, public service. He became a deputy. He, he became inspired when Hunter ran for sheriff. You, there, there are things in some of the, the film footage of Hunter's rallies when he ran for sheriff in uh, 1970, 72. And when well, you could see a very, very, very young Bob Broaddus, you could always spot him. Sheriff Broaddus was six foot six. So if he was in a room, he's kind of easy to see. And then Bob was a deputy sheriff for eight years. And in 1987, yeah, 1987. You got to remember that. You know, I, I guess the tail end of the Reagan years. He was. That's when he he came in as sheriff, and Bob was probably one of the great examples of losing the battle and winning the war. Hunter was not elected sheriff when he ran. Bob did not follow him. Dick Keenest, Dick the Dove, they called him. Uh, he came in and really was the predecessor, and he sort of handpicked Bob to run after eight years of being a deputy to to secede him. And in those, you know, the saying in Aspen is they did community policing way before community policing was even a thing. They were very, very different. They, you know, uh, Bob Broaddus was the kind of, he felt that judging law enforcement by how many people you arrested and convicted was like judging the, fire department by how many houses burned down uh he would have loved to have never had to arrest anyone ever and that any any 
you know, as he said, the, you know, he loved it thinking that, you know, in terms of bar fights and things like that, that his deputies got there 10 minutes before it happened. So it never happened. He, he was, he was like that. And of course he was great friends with Hunter. Uh, they, they were, uh, and Bob was a good example of uh, controlling your environment. I mean, yeah, I was curious. Hunt- I've never, because all I've read about Bob and his encounters with Hunter and what he thought and how much Hunter thought he was actually implementing some of the things he said. I never actually found out was Bob brought us a, a supporter of the sort of broken windows theory, the the idea that if you maintain an environment, crime is not as uh, much of an issue, uh, but that. That implies a lot of proactive policing, which some people say is an infringement of rights, which was a big point of Hunter's. I was curious. Well, I think Bob would have said, forget broken windows, think more about broken promises. He he was the kind of guy that was like, you know, a bartender would call Broadus if he had a problem or 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 a business person if they had a problem with, with an employee in certain ways uh, that safety was an issue. You you would call Bob because you you knew that he wasn't going to overreact. He wasn't going to go what we used to call. He wasn't going to go all cop on you. And it was an odd thing because you know Hunter's reaction to authority was you know <laughs> an immediate, <laughs> almost absolute negative reaction. Yeah, uh, uh, he he would be much more caustic in his words. But as we used to say in the playgrounds, he would define you as number one in his life with a certain extent. Well, yeah, finger, well, there, there, there were many times when you know, you would say you know the the. You know, cops are this, that, and the other, and police are this, that, and the other. And you'd look over at Bob and say, yeah, current company accepted, of course. But, you know, sheriff's different. Sheriff, the Western sheriff's a different thing. It's a constitutional officer. It's an elected officer. So, you know, Broadus didn't have to face a city council or that kind of thing. He he faced voters, and, you know, he he was never... I guess once or twice there were challengers who popped up, but I mean, he always won by handling. And then in 2000, uh, Colorado had put in term limits on sheriff, but by referendum, you could remove term limits. And Pitkin County, based on Bob's popularity, really was the first county in Colorado to remove term limits for sheriff so he, he could continue serving. He served for 24 years. Now, think Good about Lord. that. That's That's a generation, really. That's a quarter century. And if you put together his deputy time, he was in that sheriff's department for 30 years. Well, and that's sort of the idea that you should have as a law enforcement official, a sheriff, police chief, and all this, that you should be a seasoned police officer giving the public the rights. Too often, it's not that. I mean, sheriffs in a lot of the country effectively are another political office. It's not, you know, you're not by well, you have to wonder too, cop, you know, so. You know, in, to, in today's world, you see so much more turnover in almost every one of these jobs. You see police chiefs that come for a few years and then leave. And the idea that someone's going to be involved at the highest level of law enforcement in your community for 30 years, 24 as, as leadership. I just don't know that that era is still with us. Although I will say, you know, Pitkin County brought Joey uh, DeSalvo, who was, I guess I should say Joe now that he's Sheriff DeSalvo. He was sort of the successor. He won huge and has picked up that baton. And I know, you know, Bob was very, very happy that that he had Joe to follow him in that job. So, you know, it, it's interesting. That means, you know, you go back now 40 years of a certain kind of philosopher a philosophy of law enforcement that not, and I think history's come his way. I mean, he was widely 
condemned by some people because he wasn't really keen on making marijuana laws a priority. And now the state of Colorado has joined him, even though marijuana is still illegal federally, uh, making it locally legal. So history is history has really come his way and not the other way around. And the other thing about about Aspen, of course, is that you know he could deal with celebrities, and and always did. He understood their their needs and and you know, as he would call them the whole high profile people. But as he pointed out, you know, it's one thing for a high profile person to be someone that people recognize from the movies. It's a it's another to have high profile people, uh, you know, people recognize from coverage of the white house <laughs> a whole different set of, a whole different set of problems well let's let's go a little prologue if we can curtis robinson that bob comes about because and i'm it, it, i'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast knows this but it's always good to reiterate a few basic facts because we have different hunter admirers from different areas bob is at some level a latter creation sometime after of the issues that Hunter brings up, as you referenced, in his famous race for sheriff. Can you talk about how that came about and how it eventually led to Bob in a little bit more detail? Well, sure. I mean, you know, when Hunter ran for, for sheriff, and, and it's worth, if you're, if you're new to the podcast, then, you know, it's, it's worth looking it up. It was his first Rolling Stone piece. It was the battle for us, but it, was, it, it introduced freak power. And it was about uh, his race on the freak power ticket in Pitkin County. We also always say Sheriff of Aspen because people know about that, but Aspen is the county seat of Pitkin County. And so he ran for sheriff on a strange ticket for its day, although it it began to fit in more later on essentially, well, he wanted to tear up the streets and replace them with grass. He wanted wanted to put bogus drug dealers in a public stock. A, a A lot of things that were we're a little less tongue-in-cheek than maybe people thought because there are now pedestrian malls in downtown Aspen. That, that came to pass. And he came closer than they thought. Colorado then and now is a registration state, which means you, you, you have to register some time ahead of time to vote instead of a day of state like a lot of others where you can register the day of the election. That's a huge deal because elections pick up a lot of energy at the end. And I've always thought that if Pitkin County had had day of registration, Hunter might have actually won that sheriff's race. But but he lost, but and he lost the battle of Aspen, as as he called it. He certainly didn't lose the philosophical battle in the in the years after that. Really, the decade after that, you saw the police departments change. You certainly saw the sheriff's department change, which was important for Hunter because Hunter didn't live in the city of Aspen. He lived in the jurisdiction of the county. So that was a big deal for Woody Creek, uh, where Hunter was, you know. And as he said, politics is the art of controlling your environment. And he, he and Bob were friends. I actually met Bob Broadus before I met uh, Hunter, and probably one of the reasons I met Hunter was Sheriff Broadus because I had become editor of the Aspen Daily News, and part of that job is walking across town and making friends or peace or or at least introductions with the uh, sheriff, and it's. No one told me the guy was six foot six. So you go in and there's this giant, really. <laughs> he's a big guy and he projected it like a big guy. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to be fun. So we, uh, we kind of hit it off. I, I liked him and I'm, I'm not predisposed to like uh, people in positions of authority. 
And then uh, sometime later, uh, probably four or five months later, uh, I was, uh, because you're editor of the paper, I, I, a documentary crew wanted to interview me about Hunter. I declined and they got really uh, sort of evil, sort of implying that, that uh, they knew where Hunter lived and they're just going to go out there anyway. And uh, so I, I did, I called the sheriff. And then that's when I got the call that afternoon from Hunter saying, I understand you're the only person who doesn't want to be on TV. And I said, well, technically an Australian film crew, but <laughs> <laughs> had it been, if it had been channel nine out of Denver, I'd have been right down there in front of the camera. Yeah. But that's, that's when I went out to, uh, uh, with, with the sheriff to, uh, to meet Hunter, you know, and it was, uh, it had to be the mid nineties. It, it was some time ago, but it was, Bob brought us in his prime. That, that those were those were good years for him. So let's talk about uh, Bob Broadus's legacy. You've mentioned a few of the uh, pressing things Hunter ran for pedestrian malls, different ways. Bob Broadus talked about you, you mentioned in the beginning um, trying to avoid crime. What uh, he is known in many circles um, in the preventative crime movement, not just for community policing but for outreach. That how do you make police officers part of the community and he was a very expert at that can you talk a little bit about his epitaph his legacy well yeah i think his legacy will go on i, th- I think that uh the new sheriff he was i'll tell i think it was bob and i remember one night it was very very late and i won't say we were overserved, but we had been well served <laughs> and as you would be in aspen when you're out with the sheriff and I think it was right around the time of the first. But I give, Hunter but I give, funeral. but I give, but I give Bob credit. From what I heard, he always paid his bar bill. Which, he did. Which he you did. don't would, normally, as a sheriff, you know. Let's be fair; they don't really would, you pay your bill most of the time. He would, he would pick up a tab. Yes, and uh, so I would say, I would, you know, I might have been a little by cups. I was saying that, uh, you know, when he goes, the whole place is going to go to hell. And he said, "Well, if that's true, I have failed." He said, "I think." that my legacy will be that I built it. He said, I didn't start it. Uh, the, you know, his predecessor, he felt had started, uh, you know, Dick the dove had started the philosopher sheriff kind of way of doing uh, law enforcement and that he had continued it. And he, and he wanted to hand it off. I, th- I think his legacy is that he's now, uh, help develop the, the really the DNA of, of the county, both uh, politically and especially in terms of law enforcement. And I think that they've set that tone in a place where, you know, there's a lot of wealth. There's a, there's a lot there are a lot of uh, targets, if you will. Mm. And it was, uh, you know, of course he works with the city. There's a Aspen has its own city police force, but that's that's. A different force, you know, when in the 90s, there was a thing in Aspen where they were like, you know, the city police would be like, you know, we own the night and uh, Bob's police force would be uh, we own happy hour. (laughs) And they did. I mean, they, they, yeah, they owned happy hour. And because they owned happy hour, they knew everything. They because you didn't hesitate. There's, you know, you, you those of us who would not normally speak freely around officers of the law for whatever reason in those days, we would speak freely. So they, they knew. I mean, I, I remember you know, he I, talked to me once about a reporter. I thought he was going to complain about a story, but he told me the guy was, you know, stiffing some people on some pot deals. 
And I'm like, well, all right, that's not what I expected to hear. And you know, let me let me say this really bluntly: that there is the old Irish, the, the old Irish cop joke about where is an Irish cop in the afternoon? He's in the local bar or pub. But I actually talked to an old line cop. He said, who was you know was head of the police union, is a legendary cop here in Louisiana. I said. I mean, you know, the joke, he said, yeah, when I was on, when I was a young police officer, yeah, we usually stopped in for a drink. This is in the sixties, um, at a, at a bar, at local, different bars every day. And I said, really, how did that work out for you? He said, I actually didn't drink much. I mean, I made it look like I did, but he said that that's how I found out everything that was going on. He said, just, oh. just, just simply talking to people. It's non-threatening. He said, most of the time I had a Coca-Cola in my glass. He said, once in a while I had a drink or a beer, but the point was, I was talking to people in an environment where you get a sense of what's going on, you know, maybe off the beaten path, whatever that's worth. Well, it's certainly, <laughs> I'll tell you, in, Gon- in Gonzo land, it went, it went through us like a shock. I mean, we all knew that the, the sheriff was, uh, he was 77. He was a high mileage model. Yeah. There was, he always used to say, it was one of his favorite sayings. He said, you know, it's Aspen, you know, we eat dessert first. And he always talked about how much, you know, he said, we just... We just had so much fun, and I think about that now. And I, you know, I, now, now that he's gone, and I'm like, well, boy, there, there it is. But it was, it, I think it was a, a, it was a shock for people. And you know, now of course, uh, the only question is whether or not there'll be a, a you know, what. <laughs> I don't think we're going to build any uh, cannons, but uh, the memorial service will be quite epic, I'm sure. Um. It may actually, uh, uh, Johnny Depp's making a, a, a tour of places that you normally don't see a star. That's what he's been doing since the trial. Mm. And he and, and Johnny Depp loved Bob Rodas. So it was like, I think you, 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 you never know. He paid for that canon. So yes, that, 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 that's true. And it's, uh, it, it, will be, it will be one of the more epic gatherings of the Gonzo universe. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that, even though I, I can't think of a much sadder reason for it. To the sheriff of happy hour, we raise our glass here on Hunter Gatherers. And, uh, True that. And that pretty much does it uh, for this edition of Hunter Gatherers. We'll be back talking uh, about... Next, next, time, next yeah. time we'll promise a happier Hunter Gatherers. Oh, and an uh, incredibly interesting one because we'll be talking about the seminal month of June in 1972, um, in Fear and Loathing in 1972, when everything went sideways so to speak oh yes and 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 we will say for those for those who are following our, our we we are cover we are reviewing the fear and loathing on the campaign trail 1972 june is the month the books divided into months june is the month that hunter picked for the great shark hunt because that that was the month everything went to hell so there we have well not for George Wallace because he was shot in May, but but that gave me an idea that June can outrank May and they shot a man in May. There you have it. <laughs> and we'll see you in the next edition to hear that story of Hunter Gatherers, the podcast of Hunter S. Thompson stories. Thank you very much. <laughs>